All right, welcome everyone to this uh, edition of the Breathe Easy podcast. Uh, today's podcast is going to focus on uh, the upcoming ATS annual meeting, providing a preview with both a summary of the meeting, uh, what's involved with the annual meeting, and also some guidance and, and tips in ways to help navigate the meeting and hopefully get the best experience uh, out of uh, attending. Uh, my name is Mark Gauthier. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Pittsburgh, and I have a couple of panelists joining me today who are going to introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Kathy Bonham, and I'm an assistant professor at the University of Virginia, and I'm co-chair of the Early Career Group for the AII Assembly at ATS. I'm Blanca Himes. I'm an associate professor of informatics at the School of Medicine um, at the University of Pennsylvania. And this year, I am the chair of the AAI Programming Committee. I'm Sarah Asaf. Uh, I'm an assistant professor at UNM and the AII Social Media Director. I'm Ann Sperling. I'm a professor at the University of Virginia, and I'm the chair for the AAI Assembly. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining uh, today and, and being part of the discussion. It's actually been um, it's been a little while since we've had an in-person meeting. Um, I think this will be three years, uh, the last two, of course, being uh, virtual due to COVID-19. And I think there are a lot of upcoming uh, early career folks, fellows, uh, postdocs, and early career faculty uh, and clinicians who either you know, have, have not attended in a while or have never attended an ATS annual meeting. And so uh, maybe the best way to start off is just to provide a little bit of an overview of the meeting itself in terms of how the meeting is organized and some of the different uh, session types that are involved. Sure. So the programming committee works. It's actually a little bit of an involved process because it is such a large meeting. And so the various assemblies of ATS have their own programming, um, but then there's sort of an overall umbrella structure that takes care of some of the major sessions. Um, and so there's a combination of sessions that are, let's call them um, top-down driven that we don't have feedback on. Um, maybe the senior people of ATS do. And then there's others that um, scientists propose in advance of the meeting and, and maybe bring in a lot of um, external speakers. Um, and those are reviewed by the different programming um, committees. And then there are abstract arrive sessions, which are the ones that maybe the junior people are the most familiar with, right? So you present an abstract on your own research, and then those get programmed into certain types of sessions. And then the programming committee chairs across the various assemblies come together. This year, actually, we finally came together in person. Um, and but when I say this year, I mean, actually, last December, um, the first time that we met is actually a year prior to the meeting when we start organizing, then we meet again in September to go over um, some of the logistics of the meeting and some of the early programming. Then we come back in December um, to meet again and assign these the abstracts that come from the individual investigators. So it's actually quite a long and involved process. And you'd be surprised at how many hours many people spend um, reviewing abstracts as well as working on programming them. Um, so that being said, that's the overall structure. And then the question is like, exactly where do these, what are these different types of sessions and, and where do the abstracts get programmed? And I think they mentioned there are some of these sort of bigger sessions that are kind of top down that the ATS sort of assigns or, or puts together um, at the overall society level. What are those sessions in the, in the program? So I don't know about every single one because there's so many that go on, but um, for sure there's uh, the award sessions, the talks that come from the awardees who have won a large 
overall ATS awards. Uh, so there's um, scientific achievement awards, and there's um, also several named awards, and those give talks. We also have um, different organizations who sponsor sessions, for instance, different NIH institutes can sponsor a session and put it together. So those are the ones that come in. And then there's the third one is the um, science core session. So there are four symposium and AII is one of them that uh, set the scientific core for every year up. So the scientific core also can uh, program uh, at least uh, two plenary sessions or symposia sessions and also, uh, also does mini symposiums and can even do a thematic session. So those are beyond AII and are done at the, at the organization level. So you definitely have these, you know, sort of meeting-wide or, or assembly-wide sessions um, the ATS puts together that are based on the, on the science, you know, the plan, scientific core, the meeting as well, you said awardees. And then I think from the clinical side, there are also these year in review sessions, usually involve bringing in an expert to just kind of summarize major updates in particular clinical topics that have occurred over the year. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think these usually come with a reading list, not that you're expected to read it in advance but to give you some guidance to follow up on major articles that have been published in the area, as well as a uh, about 30 minute or so talk for each clinical topic. Uh, and these are nice summary sessions to just get an update on what's happened in interstitial lung disease or asthma or um, any other topic uh, the ATS covers in the last year. I wonder if we could then switch over to some of the more assembly driven or, or assembly driven sessions. The symposia sessions are proposed, uh, I think, in the summer uh, by assembly members for specific topics. Dr. Hines, if you want to just kind of quickly summarize how those symposia come about um, and what people can expect attending those. The symposia that come in through the summer are these symposia, as you mentioned, that um, are, are brought in through applications that investigators um, submit. And so oftentimes they will talk to their colleagues or sort of brainstorm about based on their expertise in an area and a field of these are the things that I think are interesting and that others in the meeting will also think are interesting. So they try to come up with diverse people that complement a specific area and they put a proposal together. Um, these proposals are actually pretty competitive. There are many more that are submitted than we are able to program. Um, so we take many criteria into account to do that. Um, and, and the symposia basically give approximately five speakers um, a, a time to give a talk. And some, some of them might include question and answer um, sessions or moderated panels briefly. Um, but the idea is just to get um, a broader grasp of maybe more um, solid um, science that has been happening um, as opposed to the other type of symposia, which are the mini symposia, and those are abstract derived. So as opposed to somebody coming together in advance and saying, this is a topic that we're going to have um, sessions about, um, what, what we people on um, the program committees will do is we'll look at all of the abstracts that have been submitted. And if we see themes that go together, we might um, schedule a session based on many of these abstracts. Oftentimes the mini symposia will have shorter length talks, but but maybe from an outsider's perspective, you won't notice much difference because it, it at the end of the day, it seems similar where there's 
people up front um, and like they're moderators for sessions and there's people giving their talks, there's discussion and then the sessions are over. So in format, they're um, pretty simple, but we're pretty similar, but how we arrive at them is a little bit different. Um, and then the other abstract derived sessions are um, the posters. So we have poster discussion sessions and thematic posters. And um, the, the poster discussion sessions came about in part because we want to have the ability uh, for more involvement of more people at ATS. So give more people the opportunity to come around these different topics um, in one place. We can't do that all for all the posters, um, but we try to put as many as possible into thematic discussion sessions. And the idea of those is for them to be interactive. So there, there are a few moderators who try to have a conversation with the people that are um, presenting posters to maybe bring about more people together, more interaction across all of the people in a room. And then the thematic poster sessions are these classic ones that you see in an exhibit hall where there are just a sea of posters. Um, and these are the ones where so oftentimes people coming to the meeting for the first time will end up um, in, the, in sort of this large room with many posters all around. Um, and those um, sessions, we try to have moderators that will stop by all of the sessions and we try to group people into similar um, times when they can be at their poster so that there can still be interaction among the people there. It just won't be driven by moderators in a large room. Um, but there's certainly plenty of opportunity for the people in thematic poster sessions to interact as well. Yeah, so that, that, that's great. So if you put in an abstract, really the abstracts are being programmed in these mini symposia as talks or in these, these, these thematic poster sessions in the poster hall, or these poster discussions, which are sort of a hybrid. Exactly. Maybe a very short talk and then ideally a lot of discussion and interaction between folks in a, a smaller room. And then I, th I think there are two other session types, and these are a little different. Uh, the postgraduate courses, which actually start before the main meeting, um, and, and these are, are usually put in, in in the same format as the symposia in that they're planned in advance uh, with speakers already picked out but really the goal of being specific topics that require sort of more in-depth discussion and more participation than necessarily symposia. And then these occur before the meeting as ticketed sessions. And then there's also this Meet the Experts series, which some uh, talks, which some people may have remembered the old sunrise sessions, if you were up for getting up pretty early in the morning, or the uh, Meet the Professor talks. This is sort of the, the new version of that that's debuting this year. I've attended a number of the Meet the Expert talks as a fellow and an early career faculty person. And I find they're ticketed events, first of all. So usually you have to sign up for them ahead of time. They do fill up early for the really popular topics. And it's usually an hour, an hour and a half on a specific topic uh, led by an expert in the field. So it might be something like um, navigating ECMO um, for ARDS was one topic that uh, that was done in previous years. Of course, we could probably do a whole conference on that now in the post-COVID area. And there's also been topics like, you know, treatment for sarcoidosis, you know, and it's a nice chance for you to get together in a room with someone who's considered an expert and really kind of do a deep dive into that topic. And it's usually a small group, like 30 people, not usually more. Um, and I found that useful in the past if there's a specific topic that maybe I felt I wanted to brush up on or I wasn't as exposed to in my present institution, you would get a little bit more of an insider expert view. So those can be nice sessions, but you do have to plan and sign up early. So lo looking at the program outside of these sessions, symposia, poster sessions, there are other things going on at the meeting. 
if folks aren't looking for them, they might be missing them. And I wonder if we could talk about some of these other sections. Obviously, there are the assembly meetings, which where the assemblies sort of get together. And again, Dr. Sperling, I don't know if you can give sort of a, a quick summary of what, of what happens at an assembly meeting and, and who should attend. So the assembly meetings are on Sunday and Monday night. And I, I think seven of them are on, on Sunday and seven of them are on Monday. So you really can only pick one each night. Um, you can go to your primary assemblies meeting or your secondary or a second secondary uh, meeting. It's totally fine. Uh, the meetings almost always uh, have a social time. And this is a really nice time for people to network. The early career group um, often does an icebreaker uh, at AII. There'll be an icebreaker uh, that actually Kathy is running. So that will be a nice way to meet people. Last time it was in person, I won a box of chocolate and I went around the room giving out chocolate to people I didn't know so I could meet them. So it's a, it, I, I enjoy that a lot, getting to know people uh, that you might have uh, not been, had an opportunity to meet otherwise. Then the second half is the business meeting. We go through what the assembly has done. A lot of times I find that people don't really know a lot about their assemblies, and this will give you a sense of what's gone on in the past year. Also gives you a chance to look at uh, different committees and hear about different committees that you could actually volunteer for in the future. And we're always looking for fresh people to be involved and especially early stage uh, investigators. And uh, we also give out the assembly awards at that time. So it's a, it's a nice uh, couple hours uh, to enjoy some socializing and then some business and um, I definitely suggest you go. They're free, and um, please join us. What are some of the other activities or, or programs going on at the meeting that people might want to look out for? So I'd highlight the Diversity Forum and the Women's Forum. I try to attend those every year, and I think they're both really nice. Um, they are ticketed, and they include lunch usually, which is nice to sit down at a table and talk to the other women or the other individuals who are there for the diversity initiatives that ATS does. And there's always keynote speakers. I think Patricia Finn is the women's forum this year that's at Monday uh, at noontime. And the diversity forum this year is Esteban Burchard. Um, and so there's usually some inspiring talks and it's a nice networking event. So I look out for those every year. And the other things that I think are especially important for early career folks to take a look at are some of the special meeting spaces at ATS. So there's a Center for Career Development, and there's everyday program talks that are career focused. And there's topics like, you know, how do you set up a lab? How do you um, effectively apply for grants? How do you uh, make yourself a clinician educator in areas that count so that you get promoted? And then there's also a science and innovation center. And there is a really nice document actually that the MIT committee puts together if you want like the cheat sheet to the schedules for these things and to really help you navigate the meeting. And I recommend everybody um, take a look at that. I believe it's called the 2022 Roadmap for Early Career Professionals. And that's available on the conference website under the programming tab. 
I was going to also add, uh, like Kathy said, that the mid-committee had the early uh, career professional roadmap, as well as other roadmaps for research um, and specific pulmonary and critical care sessions that will take place at this meeting. And um, I always thought that the bear cage uh, is an interesting one to attend at the Center um, of Science and Innovation. It usually has early career or early stage investigators presenting their research work. I think they pick up three and then they will be presenting their work to a panelist of um, experts and then they will give them the feedback um, as well as questions from uh, the audience. And as a previous uh, bootcamp attendee, I had the new faculty bootcamp, which was uh, something you sign up for ahead of time, and then uh, people will be selected to attend different ones. The new faculty one to mention was very helpful um, as a transition from a trainee to, uh, to a faculty um, in an academic place. And it gave a lot of strategies on how to, to cope with different things, including um, clinician scientist tracks or clinician uh, educator tracks um, with a lot of hands-on sessions and uh, group discussions. There's definitely a lot going on at the meeting at these other areas, too, and, and good things to check out in between sessions or, or when you have some downtime. So folks mentioned some roadmaps, which is probably helpful, because I think one of the biggest challenges when you come to the annual meeting, especially the first time or even the first couple of times, is just how to approach it. It's such a large meeting compared to other meetings people may have been to in the past. I think the first time I went, I sat down with the programming book and was just completely overwhelmed. It's like inch thick book of everything that's going on at the meeting. Yeah, you know, I wonder if we could discuss a little bit sort of how how are the our panelists kind of approach the meeting, kind of what's your goal at attending ATS and, and has that changed, you know, from maybe when you were a fellow or junior faculty to to now, sort of what people are hoping to get out of the meeting. It's been different for me every year in terms of my goal, depending a little bit on my career stage. At times, um, I think that networking is really important. You know, if I'm nearing a career transition or something like that, and then, you know, I really make sure that when I'm going to sessions, of course, that I'm putting my best foot forward, that I'm introducing myself to new people, I might contact people ahead of time who I think are key persons that I'd love to, you know, have a coffee with in person. Or if there's someone that I would like to collaborate with or to get to know better, I make sure I go to their poster or their session and um, ask them questions and chat them up afterwards. And um, that can make the meeting really fun. And, you know, sometimes in other times of uh, other years, I am really working on something in my research or my lab, and I want to learn more and find new collaborators. And so then that's my focus. And I'm and I look at the sessions that are relevant to what I'm doing. I do think it's important to have some kind of a theme and goals ahead of time, though, because it is such a big meeting, you can get overwhelmed. Um, I would say as Kathy to set up the specific goals probably will be uh, will help to navigate in an easier way the meeting and see what you want to gain from the meeting. Um, as a trainee, being mostly in boot camps and postgraduate courses, the goal was to gain knowledge around that time. And as um, I evolve through the career and as an early career now, um, I think it's more about networking opportunities and meeting people who you can just collaborate with in the future. Um, so it could be really different goals depending on which stage um, in your career um, you're at, but setting these goals ahead of time can definitely help to be able to meet these goals. Piece of advice that I would give to everybody is to plan your day and to be cognizant of 
the walking distance that you have to do uh, various things. Because in the beginning, I was like, I want to hear this talk in this session, and then I'm going to run out and hear this talk in that session. And what you realize is it could be a quarter mile away between the two talks, um, and it's just impossible physically to get there. So you do have to choose. And I find it really useful to, to sometimes just pick one and sit for the whole time and in a session, not to try and hear everything. And then even though my days are planned, I also um, don't get too upset if my plans go awry. Because if you get the opportunity to meet somebody or interact with somebody, or you hear about something you hadn't planned, um, I think those sometimes are the best times I have when um, something unexpected happens. And then one last thing of advice I would say is that when people ask me to come to their posters personally, if they come up to me and ask me to come to their poster, I always go if I can. And so if you want somebody's, and, and I always feel um, actually honored that somebody wanted me to come to their poster. So I think sometimes trainees are not uh, willing to put them out themselves out there and say, hey, I have a great story. It's in this poster session or it's in this thematic poster session. Would you come to my poster? I'll be there at these times. You know, if I at all can, I will go for sure. And I know a lot of my colleagues will too. So, and sometimes if I can't make it, I'll set up another time to meet with the person to talk about their work. So you should definitely, um, it's sometimes hard because people who know each other are, are chatting with each other, but feel free to walk up and just start talking um, because that's the way you get what you need out of this conference. I'll offer one additional practical tip is if you've never been to the meeting, what do you wear? <laughs> I um, Everyone tends to dress pretty professionally, but as someone who has bought different shoes and a jacket before while in San Francisco, just remember all the walking and find shoes that are comfortable to wear and pack something light that you can put on when it cools down in the evening or if you're sitting in the air conditioning in the conference center. I was also going to add, uh, probably also reach out to your mentors or your program directors and your local institutions and see uh, if they have any particular advice on what would be the highest yield for you and what would be probably um, the best strategies to achieve your goals at the meeting. Because um, they've been there multiple times and I'm sure they will have some uh, practical advice as well. That's what I'd say for junior uh, faculty, especially fellows or trainees, is that the first time that you go to the conference, you feel like the whole world is new. <laughs> like maybe except for your mentors or your lab mates, right? But it just seems like there's thousands of people that you've never met before. But as you start to go to these meetings year by year, you actually become part of the community. Like you really feel connected to a lot of the people who are there. You start to realize a lot of the people have been there multiple years and you become one of those um, persons. So so this sort of building up community really makes a difference. So of course you want to be there um, to, to get up to date with the science. I'd say that's my major goal of the conference, but it becomes so much more than that as, as time goes on. In the beginning, again, there's this overwhelming feeling, but, but then you start to realize like you are one of the persons that's contributing your piece to what this larger community is doing. And so that starts to feel more rewarding over the years as you start to see your own trainees present their results and sort of things um, change, your perspective of the meeting changes. And 
and you literally have friends, right? Because you've, as much as um, some of these people are your colleagues, they also become your friends by virtue of working with them um, for so many years and, and watching careers evolve and so on. Um, so keep that in mind. The first year that you're there overwhelmed, it will not always be that way. Um, things will start to change and, and, and you'll sort of gain your own community as time goes on. Obviously, you're not going to know every single person individually, but you'll find your niche within the conference um, that will help you out um, both professionally and personally. I think that was a big thing for me to realize um, going in is that unlike you know, some other smaller conferences, like you really can't take in everything at the annual meeting. So you have to kind of find what your, like you said, what your niche is, what your you know interests and goals are in the meeting, and just accept that you're not going to make it to every session and potentially even every session you want to make it to. Um, but to get the most out of the sessions that you go to uh, and sort of plan your meeting around that. Although I do think it might be worth mentioning if people have some strategies of how you approach the poster hall. As much as it's a humongous poster hall, mm -hmm. the posters are not set at random, right? So there are specific sessions and there are specific days and times when posters around a topic are present. And so I would say people go online um, and find the topics of your research or the topics that interest you and then make a concerted effort to attend those. Um, like don't walk into the exhibit hall and think you're going to zigzag through the entire poster exhibit any day. Like that's literally impossible. I mean, assuming that you're going to actually read the posters and interact with people, maybe it is physically possible to walk the whole distance, but, but not to have a productive time while you're there. Um, I should also warn junior people that this is a great time when I didn't know this, but as a junior person, I found out that some people, if they're looking for postdocs or they're looking for things, they'll come up to your poster <laughs> And start asking questions. And next thing you know, they might be like scoping you out to, to, to see if you want to work with them or um, so it is an, it is a valuable networking opportunity. And sometimes that can happen passively. Like people may just be scoping you out without telling you, but some people are just pretty aggressive and may just be like, I'm looking for a postdoc. Would you like to come and work with me? Or our department needs this. Like, would you like to come and work with us? So that there are multiple things that may happen at this poster session. So both as the person going and attending, you make a concerted effort. And then um, uh, some of the people who are there, just be aware of the fact that some of the people visiting you actually have a very specific intention <laughs> for why they're visiting you. Sometimes they literally just want to find out about your science and they're excited and so on. And other times they may be looking for a new um, lab member or a new person to join their institution um, and probably many other things as well. And there are ways to search for topics of interest, both on the website and on the ATS conference app. And that's a good way to find particular posters that you might want to prioritize being there when the person who's the presenter on the poster is there so you can talk to them. Actually, um, make a list of about 10 uh, poster numbers before I ever walk in the door on topics that I'm interested in. Because if I don't have a plan, I just wander aimlessly. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes you just find a poster that you, you didn't predict that you're interested in, but often it's around one that you did predict you were interested in. So just as Blanca said, it's in the area um, of something else you were interested in. And then on the other side of uh, what Blanca said, um, if someone comes up to me and says, I'm interested in working in your lab, will you come to my poster? I will be at your poster. So, <laughs> so I do think if you are job hunting, either at, at any level, there is always an interest in getting good people in, in your labs as a PI. 
whether it's a fellow all the way down to a technician. So I think that, that you shouldn't be afraid to approach people and let them know you're looking if you are. I guess I'd like to add one more thing to that because you're reminding me that we're talking about like the person who's having all these visitors, right? But what can sometimes happen, especially to new trainees is they'll, they'll show up and present their poster and they have a very awkward experience. They feel like people are not visiting them and that they're just standing there and like, what am I doing? And it, and it can feel very terrible. So don't let that happen. If that happens to be you, um, it, it's oftentimes nothing personal. It could just be like, you have a poster that didn't quite match the rest of the topics. Um, you know, whatever it is, like, don't take it personal. You can always have a good poster experience. Just talk to the people around you, right? Talk to the people with the posters um, nearby, like, make some friends. Um, and, and as Anna is saying, is if beforehand you, you request that people come and visit you, then you will make sure that, that somebody does, but, but the assigned moderators are supposed to come and visit you. And the people within the same session oftentimes will interact with each other because they're all have some um, interests in common. So don't let that be you like somebody who's just standing there awkwardly at a poster and not interacting with anyone else. Um, there's many things you can do to make sure that you have a good time there. And, and we'll try on our end to make sure that everybody has a good poster experience as well. That's great advice. I think it took me a while to realize that presenting a poster doesn't necessarily mean standing physically next to your poster for the entire hour and a half. It's being in the area so that when someone's by your poster, you can go over and talk with them. But it is a chance to check out other posters in the same session and to go and visit other folks who are there, too, who, as you pointed out, it's a themed session. And so there's probably a lot of common interests um, with the other folks who are presenting there. So there's a lot of opportunity, even if it feels like you know, maybe not a lot of people are coming to your poster directly to, to interact with other people that are at that same thematic poster session. You never know who's going to uh, end up being a colleague for life when you meet them at a poster session. I met somebody at a poster session in 1997 who is one of the leaders in my field right now. Um, but we were both postdocs at the time. I was an assistant professor. He was a postdoc. So you never know when that person is going to end up being somebody it's really nice to know. So I think we might wrap up with a couple things. First, just to give you know some of the highlights of what were some of the, the common themes that or, or are some of the common themes that people can expect to see, um, at least from the AI assembly this year uh, at ATS. Um, we have six poster discussion sessions, and we oftentimes, as our name implies, um, we'll have uh, sessions focused on asthma. So we oftentimes have um, clinical end of the spectrum sessions, and not I should say not just poster discussion, but thematic poster, as well as our scientific symposia. A lot of them may be focused on asthma clinical trials, the latest. So this year, as in prior years, there's been biologics, um, new asthma guidelines. Um, those themes come up over and over again. We also have a lot of um, people working on allergy and immunology from a basic science perspective. So we have in vivo models, in vitro models, and then we'll have people that work on inflammation or immunology related to other pulmonary conditions. And so sometimes we'll um, end up having some pulmonary fibrosis, ARDS, sepsis, sort of those types of things come into um, our sessions as well. So we do our best to um, strat stratify um, the abstracts or the sessions according to those topics. Um, AI is also the home to the section of on genetics and genomics. And so we will oftentimes have a session, um, in, in this case, actually more than one, but we'll usually um, have sessions dedicated to gen genetics and genomics. And those pretty much span the entire breadth of conditions. Um, and, and those are more focused on um, um, sort of specific modalities or approaches to study um, these conditions. 
Um, and I will also say since AI is part of the, as Anne mentioned earlier, these um, basic science core um, themes this year, it's senescence and it's emerging role in lung disease. So those sessions are um, partly designed by um, AII members. Great, thank you. And I think what a, to wrap up, just kind of go around the table. We just give sort of some parting, probably a, a mistake to avoid, or you know, we'll call it that, a mistake to avoid, and then maybe a final piece of advice for folks who are are coming to the meeting this year. I would start by saying pre-planning, of course, is uh, is important. Uh, be comfortable, and um, it's an enjoyable experience. So you want to get the most out of it, and you don't want to feel overwhelmed. Um, also, don't be shy to ask questions. Um, there are a lot of people that will be around you that will be available to answer any questions. So just uh, ask any questions that you might have. And since I'm the AII uh, social media editor, I was going to say also follow us on our um, Twitter um, with the at ATS uh, underscore AIR handle because we're going to be highlighting all the program that AI, uh, AII is offering um, at the ATS meeting. I'll follow up to Sarah and say, uh, avoid letting someone else ask your questions in the big rooms. Get up to the microphone and introduce yourself and ask your questions. You'll get butterflies, but you'll feel good after. I'll say to avoid like feeling this sense, especially for trainees, um, avoid feeling the sense that you haven't done enough because I think that time sometimes can creep up on you in these meetings. Remember that everybody's showing their best work that has maybe been the product of a long period of time. And so during this meeting, sometimes you feel like there's this concentration of very successful stories. And depending on what may or may have happened to you personally over the past few years, you may feel like you didn't do as much work. So, so stop it with the comparisons, you know, like celebrate everybody's science and, and just keep in mind that you can keep doing your science, like that everybody's showing their best foot forward. And you may just, um, start to feel like your science isn't enough, but don't do that. Um, you know, you can keep improving your science and take this meeting as an opportunity to do that. And you won't do that if you're starting to feel shying away because you don't think you should celebrate your science as much. Um, and speaking of social media, I do recommend for those of you who are comfortable to um, check out Twitter if Twitter is still up and running by the time this meeting happens. Um, but Twitter is a great way to actually interact with a lot of attendees, especially as a talk or as a session is evolving live. It's an opportunity to see people's thoughts about sessions and what's happening all at once. And, and I think that is a way that even if you're stuck in your hotel room or if you're virtual and you can't attend the meeting in person, it's really a way to feel connected to the meeting and um, what's happening. So I normally don't use social media a lot, but I really like attending or, or having during times of a meeting, um, sort of like a virtual window via Twitter um, to see what's happening across all sessions simultaneously. So you guys all said it. <laughs> um I guess my last bit of advice would be to have fun and enjoy yourself at the meeting um, because there's a lot going on, but also uh, not, to, um, not to feel overwhelmed and overwhelmed by the number of people, which is often a problem. I think sometimes uh, we feel loneliest when there's so many people around us, but we don't know any of them, especially for new people. And I would suggest just reaching out to the person drinking coffee at the table next to you or anything. Just try and stay connected and meet people and uh, enjoy the meeting and being in person, which is exciting for all of us. You're so right, Anne. We can actually see San Francisco. Take a little bit of time to go 
visit the venue. If we're flying all the way there, in addition to enjoying the conference, you can actually get to know our host um, city a little bit or, or re get to know it after um, all this time. If you happen to be flying in from a distant place. There's a great museum very near the conference center, Museum of Modern Art, maybe. Yeah, I think it's MoMA. Mm-hmm. MoMA, yeah. If you want to get away from the meeting for a couple minutes, go see the MoMA. It's only a couple blocks from the conference center and it's worth the visit. My final tip for early career would be, you know, make a list of follow-ups once you get back from the meeting to make phone calls or email maybe some of the new friends you have so that you have some lasting benefits from the meeting. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining today. I think a lot of good advice here. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be excited to, to finally get a chance to visit in person if they're doing, if they're able to this year or join virtually to see what's going on. So we'll look forward to seeing everyone hopefully in May. Thanks again.